Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. It is the 30-something movie podcast. Thank you for coming back here once again. This time around, we are not talking a movie from 1989. We are talking a brand new movie that's just come out within the last couple of weeks. We are talking Joker. Uh, This is a movie that has, I think, been very polarizing between uh, friends and critics and loved ones and uh, whatever you want to say. and I went to go see this in the theater pretty much just a few days after it came out. And I've, I've heard from some of the listeners of our show. I've had some uh, discussions and debates with people that I know in real life. And uh, I went with a couple of co-workers to go see the movie as well. And it's, um, it, it's, it was a movie. It was a movie. I'm going to start off by saying I liked it. I'm going to go you know further into that. I, I did like the movie. I know some people really have not liked the movie uh, for different reasons, but... I did, I don't even want to say I enjoyed the movie, I don't think that's the right word for it, but I did like the movie for what I felt like it did really well. So I am going to jump into that here in just a second. But uh, So very, very quickly, we spoil the movies that we talk about. I am obviously going to spoil the plot of The Joker. I won't necessarily go into a whole bunch of the plot, just kind of more my thoughts on it, on the movie in general. But we'll be doing that. Uh, If you have not left us an iTunes review before, please go ahead and do that. That just lets more people know about the show. And I'd love to see us up in the rankings, uh, up there in in those like uh, top 250, top whatever the the rankings are when you get into those algorithms on iTunes. Um, But wherever you get your podcasts, uh, we'd love it if you leave us a review and let us know how we are doing and how you're enjoying the show. Because we are always trying to work as much as we can to bring you a better show. We want you to, if you're coming here and spending your time with us and interacting with us, then we want to make this something that's just as much enjoyable for you week in and week out as you come here. Because we love movies. We love 80s movies. Soon we're going to love 90s movies too. And uh, we just... We're having a good time, so we want you to come alongside and have a good time with us. If you haven't visited our website lately, go ahead and do that to 30podcast.com. It's got all the different ways of getting in touch with us, all of our social media outlets that we've got, and uh, all that jazz. So, quickly, the title of this movie is called Joker. Release date was the 4th of October, 2019, rated R. Runtime of two hours and two minutes. Directed, uh, he also produced and wrote this movie, but directed by Todd Phillips. He also did the Hangover movie series, Starsky and Hutch, and there's an, an upcoming Hulk Hogan biopic that was announced. So that'll be interesting. I was always a, I, I was a Hulkamaniac as a kid, so I'll be curious to see that one. Producers on this one, Todd Phillips again. Uh, Bradley Cooper was also a producer, and Emma Tillinger-Koskoff. Cooper also produced A Star is Born and The Silver Linings Playbook. Uh, Phillips produced Due Date and Old School, and Koskoff produced The Wolf of Wall Street and The Departed. 
Writers for this one, Todd Phillips and Scott Silver. Phillips also wrote Old School and Starsky and Hutch. Silver also wrote The Fighter and The Mod Squad. Cinematography was done by Lawrence Schur, who also did Garden State and Godzilla King of the Monsters. And music, I'm going to apologize right now because I, I tried to look up how to pronounce this person's name. I believe they're from Iceland. Um, and I, I listened over and over and over again to her pronouncing her own name. And I just am not sure I'm going to do it correctly, but I'm going to try. Uh, music is done by Hildur Gunadotid. I obviously, I, I think I butchered it, but I do apologize if, if I was uh, if I was able to say that correctly. I absolutely would, but tried to give it my best. Uh, she did the music for the Chernobyl series, Sicario, and The Oath. Budget on this one was fifty five, somewhere between fifty five and seventy million. The box office so far, as of uh, the day of, of recording of this, is five hundred fifty six point seven million. Rotten Tomatoes critics give it a 68%. Rotten Tomatoes audience gives it an 89%. IMDb gives it an 89%. Letterboxd gives it an 80%. And CinemaScore gives it a B+. Starring Joaquin Phoenix as Arthur Fleck, the Joker. He was in Her, Gladiator, Walk the Line. Robert De Niro plays Murray Franklin. He was in Raging Bull and Taxi Driver. Zazie Beetz was Sophie Dumont. She was in Deadpool 2 and the TV show Atlanta. Frances Conroy was Penny Fleck. She was in American Horror Story and Six Feet Under. Brett Cullen was Thomas Wayne. He was in The Dark Knight Rises and Person of Interest. Uh, Shea Wigham was Detective Burke. He was in American Hustle and Death Note. Bill Camp was Detective Garrity. He was in Twelve Years a Slave and Jason Bourne. Glenn Flesh- Flesher? Fleshler. Oh, messed that one up. Glenn Fleshler was Randall. He was in Billions and Boardwalk Empire. Lee Gill was Gary. He was in Game of Thrones and Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Josh Pace was Hoyt Vaughn. He was in Ray Donovan and Motherless Brooklyn. Douglas, Douglas, let's try talking today. Douglas Hodge played Alfred Pennyworth. He was in Red Sparrow and Black Mirror. Dante Piera Olsen, I think I said that right, was Bruce Wayne. He was in Jessica Jones and Mozart in the Jungle. Carrie Louise Putrello was Martha Wayne. This is her only acting credit. And Sharon Washington was the social worker, and she was in Die Hard with a Vengeance and Michael Clayton. Here is the trailer, and we will be back in just a second. Arthur, does it help to have someone to talk to? My mother always tells me to smile and put on a happy face. She told me I had a purpose. To bring laughter and joy to the world. Is it just me? Or is it getting crazier out there? Though your heart is aching, smile, even though it's breaking. When there are clouds in the sky, you'll get by. What? If you smile <laughs> to your fear and sorrow, smile, and maybe tomorrow. <laughs> What's so funny? Just 
freak! <laughs> Gotham has lost its way. What kind of coward would do something that cold-blooded? Someone who hides behind a mask. I used to think that my life was a tragedy. But now I realize it's a comedy. If you just Okay, so I, I have many thoughts on this movie. I am I've kind of been looking at uh, structuring the discussions that we have about movies in a slightly different way and having some more consistent questions that we ask every time, uh, kind of on top of our five questions, but um, we'll leave those as they are in their own little segment. I won't have a five questions this time because I'm the only one recording this time around. Uh, so I'm going to go through, there's a, a series of questions that I'm uh, beginning to borrow from the, a book called Focus, The Art and Soul of Cinema by Tony Watkins. So uh, thank you to Tony for writing the book. I have not read the full book, but I am going to get a copy of it so I can read the entire thing. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm going to take some of these questions and maybe adapt them a little bit and, and probably use them going forward in the podcast to a certain degree. So just thinking about my initial response to this movie, uh, how did this movie make me feel? Um, this movie, and I'm, and I'm going to talk about me. I know that there are people that have had different reactions to this. Uh, some of our listeners I know have really, it's, it's run the gamut of some folks, the people that I went with and saw it, they were just awestruck by it. They, they loved this movie. One of them loved the movie. One of them liked the movie. I think I'm in the camp of, I liked the movie and I was interested in, in the way that they did, um, certain things in this movie, the way that they developed certain characters and ran with certain themes. I completely, I'm going to say from the offset, I completely understand, I absolutely understand 103% why someone would not like this movie. I, I will not pretend to be on the other side of that and say, oh, if you don't like this movie, that's just you're just ridiculous, you're being... No, I completely get why someone would not like this movie, and, and there are a plethora, plethora of reasons. Can't even say plethora today. Well, that's the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. If I can't say plethora, then I'm out of here. Uh, I can understand completely why somebody would not like this movie. And I'll get into that here in a little bit. How did this movie make me feel? Um, this movie, in a way, this movie made me feel... I was tense the entire time. And I think going into it, I knew that this movie was going to be harsh and cruel and I, I was just trying to think of, you're telling the backstory of the Joker, and what I know of the Joker, even though there's been so many different iterations of the Joker, what I know of the Joker is many times he is chaotic, he's unexpected, he's sadistic, um, he's dark, and so I kind of was going into it knowing, all right, we're going to see a story that, that drives home the point that this is how this person was created. And I knew that it wasn't going to be a, you know, just a very quick, oh, we're going to, you know, drop him in a vat of acid. Nothing wrong with that. Jack Nicholson was a great joker. But I knew that this movie was going to be a, a two-hour uh, exploration of what drives someone 
to become something like the Joker. So that's kind of what I knew going into it. So I was tense even going even before getting into the theater to see this movie. As I'm watching the movie, I was also very tense the entire time. I was my my attention was hooked the entire time. So the the critics that I read, I think Chicago Tribune gave this one and a half stars and said that it was boring. Um, I don't know if I'm remembering that one right, but one of the newspapers I know, uh, one of our local papers around here I know, said that the movie was boring. There is, for me at least, it might have been boring to somebody else. For me at least, this movie was not boring. I was, I was on the edge of my seat. You know, typically, I like to, you know, I like to go to the movie theater. I like to get a popcorn. I like to get a drink. I like to do, you know, the whole movie theater experience. And even in a two-hour movie, typically I'll find a good time. I'll look on the Run P app or whatever, and I'll find a good time to get up and go get a, a popcorn refill. There was at no point in time during this movie that I had the desire to get up and go get a popcorn refill. I wanted to stay glued to my seat. I wanted to find out what was going to happen. I was hooked on this character of Arthur Fleck just to see what was going to happen to him. And what else did this movie make me feel? It made me feel sad. It made me feel sad because... Uh, as a teacher, as an educator, uh, on the whole angle of mental health and how a lot of times people who have mental health uh, issues are not given the support and not given the, um, the, the help that they need for that. Uh, a lot of programs, you know, a lot of times programs get cut. When budgets get cut, programs get cut. And it tends to be a lot of times that the most vulnerable people that we have, the ones who need help, um, those are the ones that end up suffering the most. And that was something that I think having that perspective of someone who works in a career, in a job, in a field where, you know, it's it's not every student that we deal with, but it's a, a sizable population of our students are dealing with some sort of mental health issues. And you get that that quote, and I'm, I'm blanking on who it was that said it, but it's the quote that uh, everyone is going through a hard battle, so be kind to those around you. Uh, you never know what they're going through. It kind of makes me think of that, is that in some way, all of us have something. All of us have something that we're dealing with. We have baggage. We have skeletons in our closet. We have mental health issues. We have whatever it might be, um, that everybody's going through something. And whether that's brought on through brain chemistry or external forces or a combination of those or, or whatever it might be. Um, and in this movie, I felt like there were times that I felt like it was maybe a little on the nose, um, where they were trying to kind of hammer home some of the, some of the, you know, we need to, we need to support mental health, uh, efforts. And, uh, but for the most part in this movie, I felt like that was something that that was the message they were trying to get across. If there's a message they're trying to get across is, People feel like the world is getting worse and what is being done to help. And everywhere Arthur Fleck turned, um, no one was helping him. Or it, it seemed like people were helping him and come to find out he was all alone the entire time. That people who he thought were supporting him, people who he thought were his friends, his family, loved ones, turns out, no, not really. They, they all lied to him. And it just, it made me sad. It made me sad to see someone that was being so beat down by society and their circumstances and, and knowing that there are people that go through that. Um, you know, I, I personally don't feel beat down by society and circumstances. There are times when I'm tired and I'm just exhausted and, and I'm sometimes mentally and 
and emotionally worn down by some of the things I see going on in the world, but not to this extent, like not, not, not to the Arthur Fleck extent. Uh, and I know some, some things are exaggerated because it's a movie and because of the character that, that he is supposed to be and become, but, um, you know, that's definitely something that I'm feeling all of that as I'm watching this movie. One of the things that, as somebody who has watched a lot of movies and enjoys film and, and the history of film, it was fun to get to see the different uh, ways that this was paying tribute to other movies. I really got, you know, obviously you get the Taxi Driver connection, not just because Robert De Niro, but because they've already said that this is very much a, uh, if you want to hold this in the same universe as, as Taxi Driver, you could almost think of it that way. Um, but it's so influenced by that movie. Um, and then also some of the others, you know, you've got Fight Club, you've got A Beautiful Mind, um, you just you know, bring in a lot of different homages to to those movies, and, and even moments that would tie back to some of the other Batman movies as well. So I think that that was one thing, too, that kind of kept me interested the entire time, was to see, you know, I went to go see Taxi Driver for the very first time when I was in college. They were running a film festival at the local theater, and the, the tickets were cheap, and I thought, you know, there's a whole bunch of movies they're showing that I have not seen before. I'm, I'm going to go see these. And Taxi Driver was the same thing. I've only ever seen it once. It was it was back in college. But I remember coming out of that movie and thinking, wow, I don't know that I can say that I enjoyed that movie, but it certainly does make me think. It makes me think that there are people in the world who feel like they have nothing left to lose and that this is the option that they're going to take in order to try to improve their circumstances or, or reach whatever goal it is that they're going to reach. And not that I agree with them at all, necessarily, but... I feel for them, you know, I, I, I can only imagine what would drive someone to that point and it, it hasn't happened for me and, and, and I, I would hope and pray that it wouldn't, but, you know, I, th I think that's something to take away from this movie as well and that I took away from Taxi Driver when I saw it is that's never, as far as I know, that's never a situation I would ever put myself into uh, or I would never resort to that, but that's me saying this right now. You know, I, there are many ways that I have not been driven to that point the way the characters in these respective movies have been driven there. Um, and I don't keep saying driven just because of Taxi Driver. But uh, would I watch this movie again? Yes. Actually, I, I would really like to. I, my sister hasn't seen it yet. I would really like to go see it again just so I feel like I can process some more of it. I feel like I spent so much of the first viewing of this movie uh, trying to just anticipate, uh, trying to get past all of my expectations. And I think there, there was a lot going on in this movie that I just, I needed some time to process. Now I would be curious to go back and watch it again. I don't know, after watching it again, I don't know if I'd watch it again after that. I think I said after seeing Logan, I, I'm, Pat and I were talking about this, we did an episode on this a couple years ago. After watching that movie, because it was so gritty and so heavy that I saw it and I have not had the desire to go back and see it again. There are certain movies for me that when I see them, I see them and I'm like, okay, nope, that was a, that was a great movie. I, I was, you know, I, I partook of the film experience. It was great. It was, it had a lot of the stuff that I wanted to see. It even surprised me in certain ways, but I don't need to see it again. A one-time viewing is is enough for me. Not that I don't enjoy it and I don't like it. It's just something about that movie makes me say, I've done it. I'm good. 
I don't need to necessarily go back to it. Um, I've already talked a little bit about how this compares with other films that are in this vein. Uh, you know, definitely Taxi Driver and and uh, some of the kind of the Martin Scorsese type movies. And I think it does. I think it fits very well with that. I think that was the intention was that this was going to be kind of an homage to movies like that. Um, trying to think about how I feel about the character of Arthur Fleck. Uh, in terms of acting-wise, I felt that Joaquin Phoenix was obviously the strongest uh, actor in this movie. I felt that some of the other performances were a little... I don't want, I'm not going to say subpar, but I felt like some of the acting performances, and not to knock a TV show, but I almost felt like I was watching Gotham instead of watching Joker. There are times in the Gotham TV show that they, they almost become cartoon versions of people that you can tell you're watching a comic book TV show because of just some of the ways that people talk and the way that things are exaggerated. And I felt like maybe that was intentional. I don't know. Maybe it was an intentional that everyone else is a little bit more exaggerated. And for the most part in this movie, Arthur Fleck is fairly normal, uh, or at least in terms of his seeming behavior and, and disposition and, and whatnot, um, that he's the one that's living out a life and he's the, he doesn't look like he's acting. He, he looks like he's just going about his life and this is the person that he is. Completely lost any sense that this was Joaquin Phoenix. I, I really enjoy when I get so into a character that I completely forget that that is an actor that I've seen in other movies. And I, and I did. I completely lost track of the fact that this is Joaquin Phoenix. I've seen him in Signs. I've seen him in Her. I've seen him in Gladiator. I've seen him in Walk the Line. Completely uh, got lost in the character of Arthur Fleck. So uh, that part of it I, I really did enjoy. The way the story was resolved I thought was kind of interesting that I, I didn't know where they were going to take this. I didn't know if they were going to say, well, you know what, he's he's going to die in the end after he's kind of started this movement by killing uh, some guys on the subway and uh, the ones that he killed were rich guys and you kind of get that whole subplot of Thomas Wayne is running for mayor to try to clean up the city, but it's also a rich versus poor thing. You get this different view of Thomas Wayne who basically says, well, you know what, we're rich. We're rich for a reason because we're better. We're better people, and hopefully we can help some of these poor people become better people too. But they're poor. What are you going to do about it? That was a very different take on Thomas Wayne than I feel like I've seen in the comic books, in the movies, in the other stuff. Um, so, you know, I think that I think that the way this is ultimately resolved, where he does become Joker when he goes on Murray's show. Uh, and then subsequently shoots Murray in the face on his show, and he has that rant about you know how he's he just wants to bring joy and laughter to the world, and yet people have just constantly made fun of him and driven him and just beaten him down um, physically and emotionally. And I think here's here's how I want to say this because I know some people uh, I know some listeners to the show I know some people I talked to in real life said you know what <clears throat> the thing I didn't like about this character is it's just not it's not the Joker it's it's not the Joker it's not you know hashtag not my Joker um, <clears throat> which that's fine that's fine I didn't have that problem uh, I'm not gonna say that you know that invalidates anybody who did have that problem I didn't have that problem because I think I've read so many Batman stories 
I've watched so many Batman movies, TV shows, animated series, audiobooks, what have you. And I think I've seen so many of them and so many different versions of the Joker that going into this movie, I just, my brain just made the assumption that nah, this is a, this is an alternate universe. This is a different Joker. It's, it doesn't have to be, this doesn't have to be uh, Jack Nicholson Joker. This doesn't have to be Heath Ledger Joker. This doesn't have to be Jared Leto Joker. This doesn't have to be Mark Hamill Joker. You know, it's, it's a different one. I mean, this is his own standalone. This is a different universe. This Joker is, is what is he, uh, I think, 40, 30, in his 30s or 40s, and Bruce Wayne is a maybe 10-year-old boy, and, and this is when his parents are killed. So, I mean, that's a big age difference, so you kind of get the sense that I don't know that this Joker and the Batman are ever going to meet each other. Like, I, I I don't know. That seems like it would be, you know, 20 years later, he'd be roughly 60 and Batman would be about 30 or so. And I just don't know that I see that being a progression of how this character is going to turn out. So I didn't have a problem with it. You know, if he does things that aren't particularly Jokerish, based on other Jokers that I've seen in the past or my favorite Jokers, you know, favorite ones obviously being Heath Ledger, uh, Jack Nicholson, uh, Mark Hamill, definitely from the animated series, but of all the different, you know, in the, in the comics, um, loved several different Jokers. But even if you look at the comics, there's so many different takes on the Joker that, you know, sometimes he's a very sophisticated criminal mastermind. Sometimes he's just purely about chaos and doing the unexpected. And you can't, that's the thing about Batman is he just can't figure out the Joker. He can't plan ahead for the Joker and try to be proactive with the Joker because you can't ever figure him out. That's part of the point of him. And so I didn't have a problem with this one being a completely different take on what the Joker is like. I'm going to assume from here on out, uh, and I, I really hope this is true, and I, I really like this idea, and I, I applaud them for going this direction. Um, I'm really just kind of hoping at this point that, that the DC slate of movies just decides to say, you know what? Marvel did the shared universe thing. We're not going to mess with that. We're just going to do our own thing. We're going to. This is going to be a multiverse. Uh, movies are going to be their own standalone movies. If at some point we decide to do a gathering of heroes and we we decide to do a we try to make another run at doing a Justice League type thing, great. They are knocking it out of the park with the TV shows. I am enjoying those. I'm trying to get caught up on last year's uh, season of the Flash and and all that. I'm trying to get it up to the point where I can where I can watch the uh, crisis episodes when they come out and they do the crossover and they have, you know, Brandon Routh and Tom Welling and all those people come in to play Superman. Looking forward to that stuff. But I'm going to assume from here on out that the DC movies are their own standalone alternate universes, part of a multiverse. Uh, and that's what they are. And, and that being the case, I'm totally fine. I'm fine with seeing a different take on the Joker. I didn't have a problem with that. Uh, the way the story is resolved, I, it, it resolved as was expected. Um, I, part of me almost thought he was going to die. Part of me thought he was going to die at some point, and this was going to be a type of a thing where, because you had so many people responding to the Joker symbol, that I almost wondered if this was going to be a thing where he dies and someone else takes it up. Now, I haven't watched all of Gotham, but I know that at some point, I think the character's name was Jerome, and everybody thought that was going to be the Joker, but then he died, and now it seems like somebody's back, and I think someone told me it's his brother. I'm not sure. Uh, I haven't gotten that far yet. I haven't haven't got caught up with, I think, the last two-ish, three-ish seasons of Gotham. 
But I almost thought they were going to take that kind of a route, that the Joker is more of a, at least at the beginning here, this Joker is more of a symbol. Now, where that would maybe rub me a little bit the wrong way is that then the Joker that we know in the current Batman continuity is then just a copycat killer. And that probably lessens it a little bit. Like, I would want the Joker to be an original Joker. Like, this is the one. He became the Joker. He is unique. There's no one like him. Nobody's trying to copy him. That's where I would have a little bit of a problem with it. But um, they didn't go that route. He's still alive, you know, at the end of the movie. He's uh, he's walking down the hallway. <laughs> he, he does in his uh, doctor or social worker, whoever it was, walking down the hallway with the bloody footprints, and then they're chasing him around in the hospital at the end there. Um, so, you know, that the way the movie was resolved, I was a little surprised they did the killing of, of Thomas and Martha Wayne in this movie. Uh, Martha! Martha! Um, I was a little surprised they did that in this movie. But, again, you can't have a Batman movie without a bunch of pearls falling to the ground uh, and gunshots and whatnot. So, so be it. Um, yeah, so I, I think this movie... You know, I don't want to say there were too many surprises in this movie. I, I guess one of the twists that surprised me a little bit was the the whole take that uh, he never had a relationship with uh, Sophie, I think was her name. Never had a relationship with her. It was all imagined. It was very much a, a beautiful mind kind of thing or um, a fight club kind of thing where it was all in his imagination. He thought that he had someone with him to help support him and turns out no. So when that moment happened, when he ends up in her apartment and she's like, wait, wait, your, your name's Arthur, right? You Don't you live down the hall? I'm sitting there going, what the man? <laughs> it just it threw me off for a second. I was like, oh, that... Oh, and then it, then it just made me feel even more sad because I'm like, oh, this this poor guy. So that's another thing, too, is you're I think when you come out of this movie, you're meant to sympathize with the Joker and, you know, to, to take the Rolling Stones, this little sympathy for the devil. Do we want to sympathize with the Joker? I, I think that was an interesting take that this movie decided to go that route and say, hey, you know what? This this guy is he he wasn't a bad guy to begin with, and it was just society and people and everything else beat him to the point where he had to react in some way, and this is how he reacted. He became this persona um, when he just wanted to, he just wanted to bring something good to the world. He just wanted to bring laughter and joy to the world, and. And, you know, it, it was laughter and joy of a sort when he's being surrounded by all of the um, the rioters and they know who he is and they know, you know, that that's the person that started this whole thing. And it's, it's kind of a celebration of him in that moment when he's standing on top of that car. But I don't know if that's, you know, just thinking of it from outside the movie, that's definitely not, for me, that's not the kind of person I want to celebrate. You know, someone who is killing people, someone who's that side of things. That's not something that I want to look at and say, oh, yeah, that's you know, good for him. He, you know, he fought back. He did. I feel sorry for the guy. I, I absolutely, I, I feel sorry for him. But at the same time, that's not, I, I don't want to feel too much sympathy for that character in the movie because that character has gone and done some deplorable things. So, so that's where I, I struggle a little bit with that piece of it. Um, enjoy the exploration 
enjoy, maybe not the right word again, enjoy the exploration of his character and seeing how does someone become the persona of the Joker uh, and, and what is what has to happen to them to drive them to that point. So I, that's kind of my take on Joker. Um, I don't know if there's too much else that I want to say about that. I, I thought that it really did it really did a job, it really did a nice job of talking about how some people in society feel like the way the world is right now has left them with no options. And I think that that's something, whether you like the movie or not, I think that that's something to really step away from this movie. Um, you know, how does this movie affect us as we return to everyday life? For me, it causes me to step away from this movie and say, you know what, I need to be, I need to be patient. I need to be kind. I need to be, if I see someone who's hurting, I need to be someone that reaches out and offers to help. I need to be someone who, if I see someone being taken advantage of, if I see, you know, someone who is vulnerable being exploited or hurt or whatever, that for me as a person, uh, for me as a human being on this planet, for me as someone who, um, you know, has the, the beliefs that I have, the faith that I have, this is up to me. And I think that's part of the message of the movie is this is up to you, the viewer, to make sure something like this doesn't happen. That in some way, as viewers, to a certain degree, we are complicit in the creation of the Joker. Um, and and that, I thought, was a really, really strong point, and it really drove that point home for me as a person, that am I doing what I should be doing to help serve others, protect others, um, you know, especially especially given the life that I've been given, that um, this is my responsibility to help do something about this. And, and if good people don't stand up and do something, then who's going to? Uh, if people with means don't stand up and do something, who's going to? So that's one of the things I came away with in this movie. Uh, again, I, I totally get why people, you know, would have a hard time with this movie, but, you know, I, I did ultimately enjoy this movie. If you want to go find us uh, anywhere else, uh, social media, otherwise, we're usually 30 Podcast. Uh, check out our website, 30podcast.com. We've got a bunch of other Halloween movies coming up soon for the rest of the month of October. We'll be back here with the other guys for the 89 movies uh, we got coming up soon. We've got Pet Cemetery, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, and then a couple others beyond that. But thank you so much for stopping by for just a little bit today So while I'm talking about the Joker and just kind of processing some of my own thoughts. And uh, I know I've interacted with a few of you a little bit here and there on Twitter, but I would love to hear your thoughts as well. Um, I, again, I totally understand anybody who disagrees with me on that. I get it. This is a this is a polarizing movie. This is a movie where I think I think there's no middle ground with this movie. I think you either I think you like it or appreciate it uh, for what it did, or I think you just outright hate it. Um, I haven't talked to too many people that are in the middle. I'm sure there are, but I, I really haven't talked to anybody yet who is. So I'll be curious to hear what you think about that. Uh, if you choose to do that, then just uh, go to our website, 30podcast.com. It's got the voicemail line, all the different social medias, different ways to get in touch with us. Otherwise, um, have a wonderful rest of October. Uh, we'll see you back here next time, next week, with, uh, with the other guys as we do Pet Cemetery. But in the meantime, be excellent to each other. Please be happy if that's the if that's the message of this movie. Be excellent to each other. Uh, take care of others. Go watch some good scary movies, and we'll see you back here next time.